Hi, I'm Vinita Agrawal. Hi, I'm Saurav Ghosh. We are the two co-founders of Giraffe. Giraffe is India's one-stop alternate investment platform. The difference between the rich and the ultra-rich is simply this. The ultra-rich don't work for their money. their money works for them this essentially means that ultra rich are much smarter about investing their money and using the power of compounding to grow their wealth but thanks to startups like giraffe just about anyone can get access to the kind of investment deals that were previously only available to the ultra wealthy giraffe allows its users to directly invest in corporate debt instruments and eliminate the middleman which is the bank this can allow your money to earn double as compared to what you earn when the bank takes your money and lends it to corporates stay tuned for the conversation between your host Akshay Dutt and Saurav Ghosh and Vinita Garwal the founders of Giraffe and remember to subscribe to the Founder Thesis podcast on any audio streaming platform to learn from some of the smartest fintech founders in the country So I was born in Calcutta but that's you know just but grown up in Mumbai growing up I always had some inclination towards corporate setup I stood first in my school went to good 11 12 junior college in Mumbai Ruparel then joined Bits Pilani you know I went for my engineering to Bits Pilani the Goa campus post engineering I went to do my MBA at IIM Ahmedabad and over the last decade now prior to starting with Giraffe I was essentially in the corporate environment working for different companies I started my career in the infrastructure sector with a company called Feedback Infra and we not and then i moved on to a few real estate companies in bombay and bangalore so when i passed out i was essentially through campus placement i got into feedback infra which was into the infrastructure space they also had a real estate division and towards the end of my stint there i was essentially consulting real estate companies at that point in time and one of the last stints i had was with vadva group and you know they offered me a job then and then i actually moved into core real estate in that sense right so vadva group is one of the top 5 developers in mumbai and started my career there so that's my foray into real estate but while being in real estate i was always in finance so my core job in all these companies was always fundraising and you know being very capital intensive se- sectors you know i think money has a big role to play in, in real estate industry and i got a lot of exposure in financial i would say capital raising where i raise capital now from international private equities domestic funds private sector banks public sector banks and the likes right vinith and i met through our professional careers so because i used to raise money for the company that i worked for and vinith used to be an investor or a lender and we did approximately more than 15 transactions maybe totaling to 2000 crores over the last 10 years so vinit how did you end up in the world of finance so see i was just post mba so i did my engineering in mechanical engineering okay and the world of business is something which always excited me even when i was doing my engineering so post engineering i had two choices whether to do you know an mtech in either automobile or aerospace engineering which a lot of my batchmates did or you could go into the world of finance via doing an mba for me the choice was clear because this is something maybe being a marwadi money is something which always you know naturally comes to you and even post the mba you know i was very clear that i wanted to do some sort of a job which is very closer to understanding different types of businesses so yeah. the natural choice while uh, you know applying for job was that there were certain opportunities in banks where you could work in the credit space and the job was that you will analyze different types of businesses and you will you know basically actually eventually lend them so initial part of my career which is around 3 years i spent in the corporate banking space i was part of mid corporate team and then large corporate team in state bank of india followed by axis bank and then in 2013 i moved to a smaller setup the ramal fund they had just started then it was private equity slash nbfc kind of a setup that they had started that was an opportunity to actually build something of our own from scratch because i was like the 10th employee to join them in 2013 and we grew that company from almost like a 50 million dollar aum to almost 8 billion dollar aum over 7 8 years and that gave me i was like the one of the first employees to be hired by them in the entire south india so we built the entire team in 6 years we changed offices like five times we grew from a two member team in south india to almost a 70 80 member team okay so it was almost like a well funded startup where a lot of authority and empowerment was given to us at a young age to build the business and that's how like you were lending to sarav's employer which was a real estate business so you, 
that's how the relationship got started so yeah tell me about the birth of giraffe so just to give you some context you know vinny and i we actually both quit our say corporate jobs just post covid we we were still like largely corporate professionals right we still didn't have the risk taking appetite in some sense if i can put it in that way to directly you know start and go to a full fledged startup so i think the easiest step that we took was you know basically quit and start a services company Service is a very different business because you are a few people who are running a small setup. You get monthly cash flows. You can still draw some salary. You are actually working with quite a few of the large developers in the country, and that was a, a I would say a steady business. You know, giving steady cash flows, and we were doing quite well. In fact, I think in one year, what we built with Uniton was you know commendable and great, even you know when we think about, think about it today. But what that helped us to do in that twelve months is that once you start doing something of your own. it suddenly gives you a lot of inner man flexibility to experiment so we are trying to figure out how do we build our expertise you know in the financial services side while we are a part of this services or consulting setup and that's when actually it so happened that you know vinith had written a uh, i would say a linkedin mail to one of the founders of this startup called eel street which is there in the us is actually very similar to how giraffe is set up today is just that you know obviously they are 3 4 years older and they are focused in a lot more exotic assets because the mainstream debt instruments in the US are very easily available right so but we had that conversation so when we looked at eel street we were like hey we have the expertise to do you know this exactly this in india as well and you know i think we are quite well equipped to do this because we have that expertise So Siddharth Shah, who's the founder of Farmeasy, uh, you know, Vinith, he was in, he's a batchmate of mine and a close friend from IMA. So he was in Bangalore. Vinith and I met him for dinner. We bounced this idea off with him. He, you know, was really interested. He said, "Hey, this is fantastic. I think there's a big market out there to build something like this in India." Both Vinith and I are not tech founders, right? We don't have that tech background. So you know, building a tech platform is something that we felt was challenging for us. but speaking to a lot of people you know post our conversation with siddharth gave us a lot of clarity and idea on how do we go about doing that and then that point kind of you know four of us met we kind of took a decision that you know shivin navin who are you know who are elder than us and who are with a more traditional mindset are well you know geared to running a services business because that's where their expertise and vinith and i you know being younger and having that i would say a more experimental mindset should take the plunge with jira So you like let go of your uh, equity, or like did you give them equity in Giraffe, or how did you structure the exit? Our thought was quite simple. So Vinith and I had obviously like I would say played a role in the early days of Uniton, at least in the first one and a half years to build that as a business, right? But we kind of said that since now we are moving out, we renegotiated and reduced our holding in Uniton, and then moved on to Giraffe. and obviously shini and navin they come with you know 25 30 years of experience themselves they can support a lot in the initial days of giraffe and building giraffe as a platform and so they were on the board as advisors and mentors and they had a certain sweat for playing that role and they adding that value to giraffe right so that's the way the thing got structured so so what was the opportunity you spotted which you thought that could be built into a large business yeah so as sort of mentioned so we you know it was like a small office with four of us sitting and just debating ideas half of the time in my previous job as well we did lot of structured transactions so there was specifically one transaction which was the embassy read transaction which we keep on referring to okay that was the first read in india and it was you know pre funded by us and it was like a 16% irr deal backed by read securities and we wanted as an employee we wanted to participate in that transaction but the minimum ticket size for participating in the transaction was around 3 crore we thought you know if people are given opportunity to invest in good quality transactions there will be a market for it the only places where people tend to invest is equity real estate or gold apart from these three asset classes there is nowhere else where common a common folk can invest and if there is a platform where we can provide the, those sort of opportunities there will be people who would want to invest a portion of their wealth just to break down the reit deal which is the birth of this idea reit is like a real estate investment trust in which a company takes money from public like a mutual fund i believe and then they buy real estate with that and therefore the public has a fractional ownership like you would have in a mutual fund is that the concept it's approximately what you are saying but not exactly the same thing in the only difference is that you already have an asset somebody already owns that asset you basically lease it that out and then you move that asset into an spv and then you know people then become a unit holder in that sense okay so it's like an ipo for a real estate asset basically 
publicly traded. Oh, yeah, right, right. You make that real asset, you fractionalize it into bits of ownership and those become publicly tradable. Okay. And so what was this opportunity which gave you a 16% IRR? Like the, how is the read traded? Is it on the basis of the value of the underlying asset? Is there like a fixed formula for the price of that? of the shares of the REIT or how does that happen? Yeah, so it's the pricing is like like any other equity, right? I mean, it's a supply-demand kind of thing. I, at the underlying, you have an asset and you have an yield. But if people believe, you know, the yields will rise in future, then obviously the price of that particular uh, uh, REIT keeps on increasing. So it's going to the market that way, the pricing of the REIT. Price. So essentially what you're saying is, there are corporate debt deals which earn as much as 16% and maybe even 20% rate of interest, which is really beats equity also. I think long-term equities give less than 20%. But a normal person cannot access it because of the minimum ticket size and you need to be like an NBFC or a certain type of an entity to really get access to those kind of deals. So there is an opportunity there to make that kind of a deal available to, let's say, someone who's like just about an HNI. Yeah, not only the ticket size, actually one reason is the ticket size. Second reason that is knowledge. So there are not many people who are aware that there is something like this. You might have money, but you're still not aware. And the third would be the accessibility, right? So those three things is what we are trying to basically solve. So there is no one out there who's actually structuring proper debt opportunities, keeping retail investors in mind and, you know, opening it up for their patients. And if you look at corporates also, for them, today the only source of capital is institutions. So even corporates don't have access to retail as a source of capital. So just joining all these dots, you know, so there is, you know, where we thought the big opportunity is. And like I mentioned, you know, our, it was a intersection of our expertise of a large opportunity and, you know, creating some value and impact. Okay, so I did a BCom degree about 20 years back in which we learned about something known as a debenture which is essentially something that public can participate in corporate debt, right? So what is the need to create giraffe? Why doesn't that debenture concept work? Right. So uh, debenture is an instrument. It's like an equity, like it's like a share, right? Now this debenture, similar to any equity share, it can be listed or unlisted, right? And like you have today privately held companies. Similarly, you have privately held debentures. You also have publicly held debentures, right? So now, I'm just drawing an analogy from the equity market to debentures and the debt market, right? So, all today, you'll see a lot of these large-scale public corporate bond issues, right? Like, you know, the, like all of these PR reliance, they keep raising through public debt markets. All large AAA rated companies today are raising capital to, from public debt market because it's cheaper source of capital. In India, the way it is that only your top tier corporates have access to retail as a source of capital, which is done through these public debt issues. Now, the reason why the next tier of companies don't have access to is because of three reasons. A, in India today, debt products are only uh, looked at only from the lens of rating agencies. You know that this is a AAA rated debt paper or a AA rated debt paper or an A rated debt paper and that is giving you some sense of the underlying risk of this opportunity. Now, and the biggest challenge in India is the lack of faith in rating agencies. Suddenly, to today a AAA rated ILFS, a AAA rated DHFL, a AAA rated Yes Bank, suddenly if they default the next day, how do you build faith and confidence on companies which are double A, A, triple B plus, etc. Right. So there's a genuine lack of faith or trust in rating agencies in India. And today you participate in Reliance and Tata because you identify with the brand, you identify with the institution. But if a lesser known company, the trust is there, the underlying trust is there because of the strong brand value. But if there is a company which is great business running profitably, great in its operations, but doesn't have a brand because maybe it's a B2B company. So, you know, it's not a consumer brand in itself, but how do you then build trust with a company like that, right? So that's the core of it. And because of this, I would say big lacuna, the debt markets have not developed. The, I would say the consequent effect of that is even the debt market that exists, then the liquidity is very low. The liquidity is low. So you're not able to exit your debt, you know, I would say investments easily, right? So these are all the effects of it. Third, I think the government itself has not done enough to develop debt markets. Right. And the biggest challenge in debt markets is taxation. Like while we offer, you know, what we offer and, you know, that equity and debt can give you same returns. But once you give equity such favorable post-tax returns kind of change. Right. So I think the government needs to step in and do a lot to also help debt markets mature. 
and opinion for wider participation and also you know from tax and other regulatory aspects and what and then what happens is these small debt issues are all privately structured and hns participate because they understand risk they are able to take those calls uh, they will have these wealth managers like ifl edelweiss avendis they will structure these privately closed transaction you know where 15 20 hns participate for 100 crores and that's a transaction that is specifically being catered to them so this market is now then being privately built or very built in a very closed manner and so you know what we are trying to do with giraffe is open up this entire ecosystem and say that you know we will structure good quality opportunities for you we will bridge that trust deficit you have with rating agencies so you can build trust on a platform like giraffe and our credit process and then we are opening up and giving equal access to such good quality opportunities to everyone you know doesn't matter that's an hni mass affluent or an average retail investor the opportunity for wealth creation should be unbiased and equal for all so why couldn't an edelweiss just open it up as well to hnis it would not be too big a stretch for them to just build an uh, online platform where it's not just the uhnis but even hnis and slightly below hnis also can just come in with let's say a 1 crore minimum ticket a 1 lakh minimum ticket size they can do it but see you need to have a mindset of you know being a tech company so that's the difference see the i would say the existence of i would say at least 90% existence of fintech in india is because of the inefficiency of maybe the existing banking solutions so like for example neo bank can a sdfc not open a bank account using tech yes it can but see that it's not the dna of the company right and how does it edelweiss earn when they do a debt deal like let's give an example that 20 hnis come together for 100 crore deal a debt deal what is edelweiss earning in this so they do it in two ways one is uh, for like uh, edelweiss because again they have multiple vehicles at their disposal right they are also an nbfc they have uh, funds of themselves similar you know ifl as well so they sometimes they take these exposures on their books and then downsell it and they earn a spread like they'll do a 20% transaction and actually downsell at 18% so making a 2% spread sometimes they earn a distribution fee from the company if it's not taken through their balance sheet so there are multiple ways for them to earn fees you know also one more like this adding to what we said like the reason why idealize or you know ifl they don't do this or can't do this for, see, the traditional wealth right has been a very in person advisory and service model high tech business so for them they are like i need to give the same service to a guy who's with 50 crore corpus 5 crore corpus or 50 lakh corpus so traditionally then they are serving obviously uh, you know for from them the roes or return on effort for them is a lot more if they service the ultra hnis hnis now the only way to make a profitable business by servicing low like retail investors is by being tech first and because of them being such large profitable they can't be a tech first organization today for them tech will always come later they can invest in tech but it will always be secondary for them right so we kind of you know change that and turn that around and say we are a tech first company now the focus is in creating you know non linearity through tech right so that's essentially this what we need said okay got it got it okay so now i'm guessing here's what you would have needed to do like you would have probably first needed to source a good deal right even before you go out to source investment money because the way to source investment money is by having a good deal advertising a certain return to make it appealing and attractive so you know tell me that journey so see the first deal was very easy for us because see, as we said because both of us come from a real estate background and we understand real estate investment really well So the first deal that we did was with a was a real estate transaction. It was with a counterparty which is Sorov's ex company, which is Vadva Group. So it was like one of the top developers in the country. We wanted to obviously bring the first opportunity, which is really exciting. So it was very good IRR, short tenor with a very good brand name, and for a sector which we understand really well. So these were the criterias for us. and that was the first deal that we did it was a 20 crore transaction it was actually a 120 crore transaction the entire transaction and because we were just starting then we were not confident as to you know how many subscriber will subscribe to this paper and what we did was that you know we spoke to like jm financial to subscribe to a large portion of the entire debt so around 100 crore of this 120 crore was taken up by jm financial and we subscribed to 20 crore and this 20 crore was then listed onto our platform and then obviously you know it took us some time to sell the entire time 
And what was the rate of return? 16%. 16.5. Okay. So what is the process for her to get onboarded? Is there a certain, uh, can anybody buy this paper? And by buy this paper, it means essentially give this money to Giraffe to further lend it out. So can anybody do that? Or is there a criteria? What is the way in which you onboard investors? Yeah. So basically anybody can come and invest in Giraffe platform. The only threshold is that we have a minimum ticket size of 1 lakh rupees. So that is the only criteria we have. Apart from that, you know, we don't have any restriction as to who can come. Obviously, we do follow uh, the uh, prescribed KYC guidelines as prescribed by RBI and all. So that process has to be done. Right. Okay. Okay. So just the basic KYC, which is like right. Aadhaar and PAN, right? So that you need to do. And then one lakh, anybody who's ready to invest one lakh or more can access this investment opportunity where they get a 16% rate of return. What was the duration for this first one? And that was a two-year transaction, but it got prepaid in around in less than a year, in fact. And so tell me how you sold this. How did you find uh, investors who would want to invest in this? Initial investors were obviously friends, family, friends of friends. But, you know, when you start platform like Giraffe, obviously nobody knows about what Giraffe is, right? So you try and reach out to whomever you know. And then you try and explain them about the transaction. We were lucky enough that, you know, especially in the financial world, there are a lot of people who know us and, you know, are aware of what the transaction is. So a good portion of the said transaction was subscribed by, you know, people from JM Financial itself and from, you know, Vadva Group itself and, you know, our friends and families. So that was the first deal. Like we said that no one knows giraffes, right? And investment is a very trust-based process, right? So while there is no trust on giraffe because it's actually not even existing before that, so where do you derive trust from, right? So the trust then comes from people who know Vinit and me. And the trust comes from people who know Vadva Group as a counterparty, right? Because then they appreciate that, you know, there's a good quality developer, there's a good quality underlying and, you know, a product, etc. Right. So that was a, you know, and then that's the kind of strategy that followed what we need said, right? Like we reach out to our friends, network, people who understand real estate well, people who understand finance well, explain the product. We reached out to Adva Group and their employees because you're like, hey, you know your company the best, you know how good that is, why don't you try and participate through us? We reached out to JN Financial because their employees, because they were anyway co-lending in the deal as well, right? So we're like, your organization has done a credit, why don't you come and participate, right? So it was a mixture of like, how do we derive that trust from, which are those aspects and I would say opportunities, you know, for people to build confidence on the product. And that's the thing that we followed. And was the tech ready before the first product? How did you do the plumbing of getting the money from retail investors to Vadva Group? Yeah, so tech was ready. So the tech journey, it's also an interesting one. We got reduced to this firm called MVP Rockets. And they were also starting up in actually providing services to startup to build their MVP. They were a great team, Praveen and Giriya, their founder. So they were a great team who helped us get off the ground and build the product. And in fact, we started engaging with them in July. And 1st September, the product was ready. 10th September 21, which was Ganesh Chaturthi that year, we launched Giraffe. And 20th September, we launched our first deal, which was this Vadva Group. So in fact, the transaction was done online. Our, our very basic tech was ready. It was very basic then, but you could come view the opportunity invest your money through a payment gateway and net banking and we would allocate the securities to you. you know so that was a very basic infrastructure which was ready you know when we lost that deal yeah and how did you structure it like the money would go to an escrow account and then it would go to Vadva Group. Was it directly going to Vadva Group and Vadva Group was paying you a, like a sourcing fees or like? No, so again, we took uh, JM Financial help over here. So we, because we had structured the opportunity, we had told them you need to warehouse this transaction for us for two months, right? So in fact, JM Financial held this. So they had given the entire money, 120 crores to Vadva upfront. And then they held these debentures on their books for us. And as and when they... We used to find investors to sell it to. They used to transfer the debentures to them. So it was, you know, so that was the, so from Vast perspective, they got a single shot check from JM Financial. And JM Financial that time was kind enough to, you know, warehouse it for us and help us get started, you know, in our early days. Yeah. And what is the price of one debenture? So that time it was 4 lakh rupees. Yeah. So the first product we made was a minimum of 4 lakhs. Okay, okay. This today you brought this down to one lakh. Okay, okay. So uh, essentially, the way it would work is you would find a party which needs debt, and you would structure with them debentures which are worth a lakh each, and then you would find people who will buy those debentures. And uh, how would you earn in this? 
So because we structure the entire opportunity, right? So again, we are able to take a like a processing fee, a platform fee, which is a typical, you know, I would say investing balance. So we take a one-time fee from these companies for structuring the transaction and providing them capital. And so if you look at it now from a company's lens, when we structure transaction, a company agrees to a cost of capital that the company is willing to pay. And we feel that this is the IRR or yield at which I should list it on the platform so that it's a fair pricing for retail investors. And then there is a differential, the cost of capital that the company is paying, the yield or IRR with the investors are earning, and that differential in between is what we make as a one-time fee. Right? So effectively, that's the way it works. Okay, which you directly charge from the company. So like the company will say, okay, I'm willing to pay 18% for access to debt. And you think that 16% will get will be a good pricing for it. And that 2% you will charge the company as a platform fees. And you are earning from the company only. You don't charge the investors. Okay, got it, got it. Okay. So doesn't this have an in- inherent conflict of interest that you are not representing the investors, you are representing the borrowers. Because we are charging fee from the borrowers. I think what is important to understand is, you know, we are trying to be in a business, build something which will last decades. And Giraffe believes in this credit quality and that's why we are offering it to you. Right? We can charge, you know, investors as well. It's just that, you know, it's easier to deal with one counterparty than with 100 investors. So essentially, if you were to charge investors, then your cost of sales would go up quite a bit because it would... Need there's a little more friction to make an investor understand why you are charging him, etc. Right. You know, then it becomes that you know we'll list something at eighteen percent. I will uh, charge two percent fee. So I would tell the investor you are getting net sixteen percent. And a, que- a lot of question around you know can you give me a discount of one percent? I don't fifteen percent. So we are like you know we want to give you one fee which is clear, no terms and conditions attached to it. You get what you see we also price it based on what we feel is fair risk right like in point is that investors should get a fairly priced product so they you know they are taking some risk they should get a fair yield commensurate to the risk that they are taking now how do i tell out investor why i am charging half a percent spread in one transaction versus a one percent spread in another transaction you know it's very difficult to explain to people who don't understand the structuring aspect of it as well so we want to make it simple for retail so you have started buying on your own balance sheet now like what gm did for you earlier where they bought those debentures and then they kept transferring to your investors today you do that on your own balance sheet yeah, except that one transaction i think everything we have done okay so after this one deal what next did you then try to raise seed capital because if you did subsequent deals on balance sheet then you must have needed seed funding actually seed is what we had done when we started of that one million dollar okay and after that we did our you know larger round of around six and a half million dollar which was led by excel partners yeah, so we raised capital, which is helping us to do the transactions that we are doing today. Okay, okay. And tell me the journey. So you did that one deal in two months, you know, subsequent to that next couple of months, what was the journey like? How many deals were you doing each month? How much time was it taking you? How much amount were the deals worth? How much were you, like, like just, you know, take me through that journey to where you are today. So initial four, five months was quite challenging, I would say, right? So we launched this first deal in September, right? You know, we thought that, we will be able to distribute it maybe faster than what we eventually ended up doing, right? So we it, it took us 75 days. The, then the second thing that we were very clear about that, we wanted to set up Giraffe as a multi-sector or sector agnostic and product agnostic fixed income platform. So we didn't also want to keep bringing real estate opportunities because while we knew we could, you know, build a very large exposure there. But the idea was to, you know, ensure that we are able to set the stage for Giraffe to be a multi-product horizontal fixed income platform. So the next one, and we also wanted to obviously also demonstrate that, you know, we are able to structure products, bring opportunities, you know, in varied asset classes as well. Right. So the second transaction we did was then completely different and the focus, you know, kind of shifted. So we said we'll not do corporate debt. We did a product called leasing. This was with, you know, Everest Fleet, which is Uber's largest fleet operator in India today. So today they have 6,000 cars on the Uber platform. But back then when we spoke to them, which was in October 21, they had, you know, almost 1,000, 1,200 cars, you know, back then. So they are not as large as, you know, what they are today as well. But, you know, we went and met their founder, Siddharth Lachsaria, got a lot of comfort on the business that they're doing. 
and then we were able to structure a very small five crore opportunity because it was uh, we had seen the challenge we faced with our first opportunity in distribution so we wanted the second one we realized let's take smaller so we took a 20 crore transaction transaction as the first one but we said we could now choose smaller you know ticket sizes subsequently till we build our own strength right so we did a five crore transaction in first week of december which was our next opportunity post end of September, right? So almost after a two-month kind of a break. And then, so this was this also took us about 60 days to kind of distribute. Almost it went till end of Jan, first week of Feb 2020. So this was essentially like money to lease cars. So it was like an asset-backed uh, loan because the car is there as a collateral. So, and this car, we really like cars as a asset, right? Like today you can lease computers, you can lease, you know, variety of things, but cars... Especially in the Everest concept was very good because it was an operating revenue generating asset, right? Because the car was being run on a Uber platform, every car generated revenue and it generated more than enough of revenue for, you know, the lease that they were paying us for the fraction of that, right? So, and, you know, the secondary market for an asset like car is well established, the pricing is well established, you know, so, you know, so... This from a leasing concept, it just picked all our boxes. We really like we really like Temrace as a counterparty. I think they are one of the most efficient car operators, you know, that Uber or Ola has probably today in the country. So all boxes ticked, and again, you know, I think we were able to structure a really good trade. And so Everest has drivers on their payroll, is it? Like like they buy cars and then they employ drivers, and then this is deployed in Uber's network. Yeah, they are not exactly on their payroll. They're like contractors in some sense, right? Like, so not be on their payroll, but yes, like you know, they are. The drivers on their salaries, you know, through Everest. So I think what Everest adds value to drivers is, and obviously the car ownership, you know, is then taken care of. So driver doesn't need to. So, you know, that's a big hurdle or roadblock for, you know, most people who want to start driving. Right. So the capital problem is solved. And then Everest also takes care of a lot of their ecosystem, right? Like for insurance to just health benefits to, you know, a place of stay. So the entire ecosystem is then very eased out for the drivers and you know obviously the drivers get money committed at the month end and you know they see because of Everest and the way they run the car efficiently also the utilization of the car is higher than you know what probably you know the drivers would have done themselves because they are deploying cars based on data so you know they exactly know how many cars to deploy in which city you know where there is a demand etc right so from a driver perspective, like then tying up with Everest is quite meaningful. So that was our product two. And then product three, we want to wanted to then again further say that we'll go to a new industry with a new product. So we did corporate debt in the real estate sector. We did leasing with Everest. The third opportunity we said we will wanted to do an invoice discounting transaction, you know, so where we are funding working capital and receivables. So for this, essentially then what we did was the challenge with invoice discount and receivables, it's a 60-90 day product. And while you don't have demand predictability, if I take 60 days to distribute a 60 day product, then that's challenging, right? So we had, you know, work reverse in this case. So what we started doing was we had a company called Aris, which was also a startup, but they had raised significant amount of equity. We had common shareholders, you know, so we got introduced to them and we knew there is a need for working capital over here in this company. And then we started pitching it to, again, HNIS to begin with to say that, hey, are you interested in participating? If yes, I have this opportunity. So whenever we got a commitment from these HNIS or large investors, we used to then structure and back-to-back do the transaction. So that we don't spend time in distributing that product on the platform. Because like you said, you know, otherwise we had no clarity or visibility on, you know, if we just listed how much time we will take to kind of distribute. So we started building scale then by servicing these initially, you know, 7, 10 HNIs doing these involved discounting transactions, uh, parallelly distributing Everest, which took us two months. And then in Feb, we did a fourth product, which was again a corporate debt, but we now did it with an NBFC, right? So by Feb, the other thing was, you know, Akshay, we had set up a decent team. So, you know, when we had done our first opportunity, we were a five-member organization. When we did our second opportunity, Embrace, you would be a 12-13 member organization. 
by february of 2022 this year we were a 1820 you know kind of member organization so right so then we had a head of investments you know vikas who joined in he came with a great pedigree you know prior to starting up with giraf you know who was a batchmate of mine came with a great pedigree you know in the venture ecosystem so the team and the leadership team also started falling in in place and you know we were then able to i would say spread our wings and actually you know deliver on all the expectation that we had of ourselves right so we said we wanted to create a multi product platform so by february we wanted to create a sector agnostic platform so by february we had done a corporate debt in real estate in february we did our first corporate debt with the nbfc called home credit we had done a leasing transaction already we had launched our first invoicing with noise discounting product already so by feb if you see our first four products they were all different each with diff- completely different size and scale of counterparties and you started delivering on what we you know essentially set out to which was create a horizontal platform and after that it was just you know trying to then build and scale each of these verticals independently right can i do so much of corporate debt in real estate can i do so much of structured corporate debt can i build the leasing book can i launch venture debt as a product and can i also launch in can i scale invoice discounting in parallel so then you know it was kind of you know things started falling to place and we started then focusing on so i would say we had done 0 to 0.5 of the journey which is just the initial team launch the platform launch one product in each of these categories and then to say that can we really create a business out of it right can there be traction in each of these products uh, can we do it seamlessly can we start doing this month in month out those are the aspects then we started focusing on so what is the uh, unit for like for the unit for corporate debt is a debenture which maybe 1 lakh is what you would price it at today for leasing is the unit one car that an investor comes in to lease one vehicle no so you can invest like 1 lakh in that also so in that also there are two structures it can be debenture in that again you can have 1 lakh or if you are forming an llp or a private limited company the value you know the partnership interest uh, is basis the amount that you invest then need not be the minimum investment of a car from an investor's perspective okay 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 got it got it so it's not like i am if i'm giving one like it's not like there's one car mapped against me it's like in the overall debt is broken down into lots of one lakh okay and the same would be there for invoice discounting also that it's not be like there's a particular invoice which is mapped against me but this like an overall thing yeah no particular invoice is mapped but in one invoice you might have 100 investors so that's the and if it's not a round figure invoice like let's say if it is something and 16000 rupees like say 5 lakh 16000 Yeah, so there will be someone like sometimes we have that last one percent, which is like a odd number. So it even if it's less than one lakh, we allow someone to participate. So and most of the time, what we try is that you know you have a margin concept. So suppose if the invoice value is hundred and five rupees, we actually fund hundred rupees only. So five rupees is like the margin. So that all. Yeah. Got it. And so what is the traction now today? Like. how many people have so far invested through giraffe and what is the monthly amount that is getting dispersed and so on currently have almost today 40000 registered you know investors with us almost you know 4000 of them are unique transacting investors on the platform right and the very healthy engagement metrics with you know with all our investors today so almost 95% of people who have participated on the platform are active you know with us and they continuously uh, you know transact lot of every month of our like 4000 user base every month almost and you know this itself is growing right so every month 50% of our user base transact you know so that means let's say we have 4000 investors today in the this month we will have 2000 unique investors participating and that the same next month and the month after right and this is a trend now that we have seen over almost a year right so we you know so the engagement level with the users are very high almost every investor invests three to four times you know from the month they join to month three month four itself right and we knew that we are not going to a very mass retail segment so you know by keeping a threshold which is 1 lakh rupees it's a significant amount for a unknown platform for someone to transact digitally right it's a significant amount of money you know so we in spite of that you know we see healthy engagement metrics people are transacting they have an exposure of almost 6 to 8 10 lakhs you know with giraffe as a platform you know on an average and because of which today almost now you know we've done about 650 crore of disbursements in our you know i would say first 12 months of our journey today we are at a run rate where we are doing more than 100 crores month on month 
right? So, and, you know, we work with almost now the unique companies, you know, that we have built relationships with in the past 12 months. We also returned significant amount of capitals out of almost 100 plus, in fact, a few days back, we crossed 100 fully repaid opportunities as well, right? So, where we've paid out capital like in form of interest and principal almost 300 crores back to you know our investors as well right so i think a lot of the you know i would say a lot of engines are firing a lot of things are you know falling in place we are trying to ensure that all growth that we achieve is also sustainable right so we are able to deliver these numbers now on a month-on-month basis also and kind of see that you know how we take that next leap of growth so that's you know always a focus area for us so you know your initial set of investors were through your personal network but you must have formed like a more like a go-to-market strategy to acquire customers i would love to hear about that yeah so see there are you know basically two channels uh, that we generally employ to get our customers one is our uh, digital or direct channel that we use to get our customers Another is that we work very closely with the financial advisor ecosystem and we do get a lot of investors from, you know, that channel as well. So the digital channel would be like if someone is searching for, like, say, invest money, then he'll see a Google ad, something like that. Or like best rate of FD, for example, someone searches, then you know that if he's looking for an FD good rate, then he would be interested in your products. Those would be like the approaches there. Yeah, we have our own, you know, display ads as well. And obviously, yeah, there are certain keywords that if people, they do search, about that, then yeah. Giraffe as a platform comes up. So in the digital space, there are two, three things that work. Actually. So one is, you know, the people who invest and who have, you know, already participated on the platform or register, there is a certain persona of these people that you can identify. So then you can also, you know, kind of through Facebook, Instagram, you know, today Google, Facebook, they pro- provide a lot of, I would say, advanced algorithms to actually then target people of these personas out there in the world. Right. So we know that these have been early adopters. How many of, you know, like similar kind of people can we target through our, like we need mentioned display ads, Facebook advertisement, Instagram. So this is, you know, a digital acquisition route where see, we focus on some keywords and, you know, what people are looking at, but really also targeting some user personas that have done well for us and people who are transacting. Right. So, and this is something that you can scale. And uh, yeah, the third thing is you can also have a lot of these, I would say, non-digital ways of acquiring customers as well, which we need these those initiatives, like for example, investment clubs, HNI groups, a lot of these associations. And we again, you know, actively work with them, a lot of corporate webinars, right? Like these are again things that you can do through non-digital channels to acquire customers. Okay. Okay. So the financial advisor channel would earn something in it, right? Like you must be giving them some amount of the sum of your bargain you must be sharing with the financial advisors who get in. Yeah. So we are sharing a part of our fee that we earn. So we earn, you know, certain fee on, on every transaction that we do. And, you know, we are happy to share, you know, 50% of what we earn with the financial advisor, right? So which is like a distribution fee that we pay them for, you know, taking our products to that. What's your roadmap now? Like, it, what is the, like the North Star metrics which you track? What, what do you want to hit as numbers? What all categories do you want to get into? And like, you know, just help me understand like the road ahead. Yeah. So the North Star metric that we track is, you know, number of customers and AUM per customer. And, you know, for us, customer is both companies as well as investors. And so effectively, month on month, we want to increase the number of customers that we have, either, you know, both on the supply side as well as the demand side, right? More number of companies that we work with, more number of investors on the platform. And we need to keep servicing the relationship that we have built in the past to ensure that, you know, we are growing our exposure, you know, with them or they are growing their exposure with Giraffe as a platform. You know, so that's the most, you know, I would say critical metric for us. For example, you know, if we acquire, just using this as an example, you know, if we acquire 100 customers and on a new month in a month and those 100 new customers invest 1 lakh, that means that I have brought 1 crore of additional money on the platform. And this 1 lakh customer is likely to invest up to 10 lakhs in the next 6 months, 1 year, 2 years, 3 years. So there, so by acquiring these 100 customers, I build a potential to, you know, increase my performance scale to the tune of 10 crores. Right. Does data back this like one is to 10 ratio that whatever is their first time investment, they end up investing 10x of that over lifetime? So uh, we typically see, you know, someone investing almost, I would say, 8, 9x by month, 3, month, 4 itself. 
right? So that's the data that we've seen. So, you know, typically like if you are a new customer, you invest in month one, like the data that we've seen is 50% of the new investors invest a second time in the same month itself. And they, on an average, people transact three to four times in the first three, four months. So basically they're transacting three, four times just because of, without getting any capital back, because, you know, we don't have any product, which is, you know, lesser than three months. So without any getting any capital back, they are reinvesting just because of the confidence. You know, obviously the ease of transacting on the platform, our tech is very, very seamless. They are reinvesting again because our customer service and success team, I think they do a fantastic job of, you know, onboarding new clients onto the platform. And they're also reinvesting because of the transparency and communication that we have with them, right? So without actually having capital coming back to them, they are building that confidence in a few months itself to build a decent enough exposure with us. And how do you source deals like companies seeking money? You have like a team which is going out and like, what is the strategy? That must be relationship based, right? Yeah, we have a proper investment team. And the job of this team is to, you know, source transaction for us. Uh, They do maintain relationship with various companies. So at any point of time, you know, they will be say in touch with 40, 50 companies on a constant basis. So they keep on evaluating your transaction. They do the, you know, our job of structuring the transaction and doing the due diligence getting the uh, transaction approved internally from a risk and credit committee. So we have a top team in place to do that job. You know, what is like, what could be a black swan event for Giraffe? I just want to understand what could be the worst case scenario. I think the thing which, you know, are most, I would say, cognizant about and the risk that we face is obviously any risk of default of the product that we do, right? So from day zero, we knew that when you're trying to build a retail investment platform, Managing risk is the most critical aspect of scaling a platform like us. When we set out Giraffe itself, we, you know, mitigating this risk and was the cornerstone of it, right? Like, how do I protect the impact of any, like you said, like a black swap event, like a credit default? How do I protect retail investors from it, right? And there are some three things that we do fundamentally to, you know, ensure that, right? We do only short term products. So, average majority of our products in Giraffe are one year or less, right? And why do we do short term? Because underwriting debt or evaluating debt for short term is easier because I'm not taking a five, seven year view of the company that I work with, right? I clearly know how they are today and I'm taking approximately a one year view of, you know, where they will be, right? It's more certain in that sense. Second, all our products, we have periodic payouts. So that means even if you invest for one year or 15 months or two years, you will get some money on a monthly or quarterly basis. What that means is that your exposure to every investment on the platform keeps reducing with time, right? Third is we are we have a very well diversified book. Today we don't have more than three percent exposure with any of the company that we work with, right? So that means we have a very very diversified book at RN. That is something we constantly keep tracking and managing. And fourth is we expect the investor to be diversified at his or her end, right? So you know if you are investing five six lakhs on the platform, the idea is to do it across three to five opportunities, right? Or if you're investing 10 lakhs, you do it across five to six opportunities, right? And what we hope is that if now there's an investor who keeps participating with Giraffe over a 10-year period, right? The risk of corporate default in a very, I would say, done rightly and managed well is less than 1%, right? So if you're investing consistently again and again and churning your portfolio, you're diversified at your end, Giraffe is diversified at our end, your exposure to a investment keeps reducing with time and effectively we are doing short-term debt where the chances or the probability of default is less lesser than the regular corporate default numbers or rates. We believe that when an event happens, you know, the impact to an individual investor at a portfolio level will be minimal, right? And then they will appreciate the consistency that debt can give you over a long period of time. We started with a one-lakh threshold because we were targeting a bit more financially savvy customer base because we knew that the product in current shape and form is not ready for mass retail participation. We don't want to open it up for participation to an investor who's investing 10,000, who doesn't understand financial products, who's not had a long enough investment journey of, you know, his or her own money, right? Because everyone who's had that journey has gone through cycles, you know, understand risk reward and how that plays out. So the idea was that we kept the threshold high 
we said we will you know start with a more savvy base where we can explain and educate them in a in a easier way to start investing in these and as as we keep innovating on products keep building products which are inherently less risky structurally less, less risky for retail participation keep opening up our platform and reduce the threshold for participation right and the idea is obviously our vision is to democratize this space and help as many individuals out there to participate in fixed income what do you want to bring it down to your threshold from 1 lakh ideally if you ask us like 20 years later it should be 1000 rupees right that's where we want wow okay and probably on the roadmap for the product you would also want to create then some sort of an sip so that every month whatever you say you can go into the platform some sort of automatic reinvestment all of these things are in our mind you know we are trying to like that's a unfortunately you know mind to execution takes a long way right the things and we want to deliver everything tomorrow but unfortunately it's a journey of many years so you've raised seven and a half million so far do you need to raise more funds so you know again we are one of those businesses which are fundamentally not very opex you know ops heavy right like so we are a very high margin business you know we are you know basically are beyond our fixed costs which is people you know a bit of digital marketing there's not really much you know that you know we spend on right so we are a very low cost business in that sense our idea is to break even in the next 12 to 18 months in a business like ours money is always a raw material so while we are profitable you know obviously capital gives us significant strength to grow you know and that's you you need capital you need that balance sheet strength because you are on the basis of that strength is how you are giving assurance to the borrowers so if you want to for example start disbursing 1000 crores a month then you would need a balance sheet which has at least 200 crores in it or some such ratio no few things so you know a for example we want to participate in risk with uh, along with our customers right so today we don't do that but you know one of the things we say that what is the difference between traditional wealth firm like again let's say edel by mel bringing an opportunity to you and giraffe right now the difference is that edel and wealth is distributing a third party product they have no skin in the game they are you know they are not manufacturing the product themselves they are just a pure play distributor but we as giraffe we are saying that you know hey this is a product that we believe in we believe in the credit quality this is something that we have manufactured curated especially for you and you know and hence we want to also put our money where our mouth is so we say that you know we will participate to some extent in the risk you know alongside you with our own capital so if we have some balance sheet strength then we can aggressively commit capital and push donor i would say demand right so that's all very good and how high touch is the business like you know you, as you said edelweiss is very high touch in your case do you have calls and so on happening or is it entirely online the workflow of investing like you go online you choose a product online you pay online everything online it's majorly online but a first time investor obviously yes. you know when you are investing for the first time they do tend to talk to our customer care and or an rn but what we have seen is that you know once they have done a couple of investment then it's very low touch then they know where to look at what to look at how to invest i would say 99% of their queries have been answered unless it's something very specific challenge that they are facing and do investors have the option to in an emergency withdraw what they invested not right now but we are trying one of the problems we are solving and that brings us to the end of this conversation i want to ask you for a favor now did you like listening to the show i'd love to hear your feedback about it do you have your own startup ideas i'd love to hear them do you have questions for any of the guests that you heard about in this show i'd love to get your questions and pass them on to the guests write to me at ad at the podium dot in that's ad at t h e p o d i u m dot in 